Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining us tonight for a very special night. I'm so pleased uh, that we have the wonderful Simon James with us tonight to give a talk on spirit today and tomorrow. Simon is the co-author of Magician to Mystic with Brian Robinson. He's also vice president at the InnerQuest Foundation and a minister at the Open Door Sanctuary in British Columbia and also an educator at Arthur Findlay College. Simon, I think you may have picked up my energy beforehand when we were having a little tack. I'm so looking forward to tonight and uh, hearing your words. Over to you, sir. Thank you very much, Lance. Uh, it's a pleasure to um, be invited to speak here at, uh, and address you and um, give you some thoughts. And I'm just gonna short talk for a, a little while and then uh, we're opening it up to uh, questions. If any of you would like to um, post a question and uh, create a bit of a discussion because uh, education is a wonderful thing, but when someone is just speaking to you over a long period of time, um, no matter how interesting the talk, uh, it can become um, a little less interesting as time goes on. So I'm always very interested to create uh, a dialogue situation. So. Um, as time goes on, if any of you want to ask any questions uh, on this particular uh, forum, um, I believe there's a chat box, or I know a lot of people will be able to um, also forward any questions that you may have, um, please feel free. So the topic that uh, Lawrence asked me to share with you was basically spirit today and tomorrow in the idea of, obviously, we find ourselves in a situation due to um, the global pandemic that all of the expressions of the spirit, if you if you will, which we normally would um, find ourselves in, such as a church, where Lawrence is at the moment, uh, a centre, a sanctuary, wherever you are in the world, um, has been very much curtailed. And so that idea of, of the human touch, if you will, and the human interaction uh, has been very much um, held to ransom, if you will. So now we have to think on our feet and utilize more modern forms of communication such as this. And the interesting thing is about this form of communication, um, this virtual uh, presence that we have um, with the spirit, while it may seem very cutting edge, in the history of mediumship and in spiritualism, the interesting thing is it's not that new. The idea that we can speak at a distance um, through the ether um, is decidedly 19th century. The wording that I use there, um, ether, um, airwaves, um, the idea that we're using telecommunication um, was all bandied about by spiritualists in the 19th century. Um, the word telepathy, um, which lends itself to the word television, um, telepathia, thought at a distance, uh, television, vision or imagery at a distance um, basically came out of the science and the seance room um, of mediumship and of spiritualism. Um, the great pioneer, for instance, um, of modern uh, television, Logie Baird, actually attended seances in Scotland and was inspired after one particular seance to create the world's first um, image at a distance, television. Um, Sir Oliver Lodge, Sir William Crookes, these were physicists and chemists that were 
scientists of, of great renown at their time, but all of them investigated um, spiritualism and spirit communication and were convinced of it. Obviously, Oliver Lodge, many of you may be familiar with, um, who lost his son in the First World War and wrote the book Raymond, um, great physicist of his time, um, where I'm sitting at the moment. Um, obviously, my uh, home sanctuary is back in Canada. Uh, but I, at the moment, I'm I'm talking to you from um, the black country, the West Midlands. Uh, Birmingham University um, has a, a hall uh, dedicated to Sir Oliver Lodge, not for his spiritualistic um, capabilities or interests, but rather for his uh, contribution to the science of physics. Um, all of these um, scientists uh, investigated the concept, if you will, of consciousness existing after death and were also instrumental in providing uh, means by which technology moved forward so that actually we could communicate at a distance. So it, it's quite an, an ironic um, experience, if you will, or it's an irony, I should say, that um, the mediums that we're using today to communicate were really pioneered by uh, individuals that uh, understood communication um, after death. Um, so I think there's a, a rather remarkable um, thought and also uh, an interesting one. And the interesting point about all of this is that mediumship in general, um, and obviously if we're talking in the, the wider context of spiritualism in all its forms, was um, a movement that was always ahead of its time. It was always constantly looking ahead to what came next. It was always described in terms of, of progression. Uh, the progressive thinker was uh, um, an august, excuse me, um, organ of its time, a, um, a newspaper um, of its time in the 19th century, run by uh, spiritualists, run by people who are, were interested in, in mediumship. And yet the interesting thing is with all of this is that the pioneers of the 19th century always looked to the technology of the time as a, a metaphor for communication. And of course, obviously, in the 19th century, this was a, the white heat uh, of technology, the Industrial Revolution. And again, sitting here in the black country in the West Midlands of the UK um, was the, the bedrock of the Industrial Revolution. And all of the great Victorian engineers and uh, scientists and inventors um, brought forth technologies that were astounding and magical of the time and devices that could communicate at a distance. Um, the telegraph, the telephone, um, writing at a distance, um, speaking at a distance. Um, all of these things, um, Alexander Graham Bell, Marconi, all of them looked at or investigated the idea or the concept of communication at a distance with our loved ones, uh, those who had gone before. And, and so the Victorians, as always, clever people that they were, and the pioneers of spiritualism, clever people that they were, used these everyday magical ideas of telegraphy, if you will, to describe or to understand communication um, with consciousness after death. One of the first, uh, if not the first, um, magazine or newspaper that talked about communication with the afterlife and 
broadcasted to the masses was actually called was actually called the Spiritual Telegraph, and was formed in nineteen uh, uh, sorry eighteen fifty two uh, in New York City. And here, the idea that mediumship um, was a form of telegraphy, if you will, um, of messages between one world and another, and that the medium, much like the telegraph machine, um, transmitting electrical signal into code, which then uh, was able to transmit into words, and obviously from the telephone point of view, telephony, into um, electrical signal into sound. In much the same way, um, the pioneers of spiritualism use the metaphor um, of um, the telegraph to describe mediumship, where in which the medium became the device through which communication um, took place between consciousness uh, of the world of the spirit and consciousness in the world of matter, meaning obviously this world. And so we have wonderful, wonderful examples of our pioneers beginning to look at communication, if you will, both in a scientific sense and also in a technological sense. And mediumship, if you will, which is both uh, a science and an art, we could describe both in psychological terms and also in scientific terms from the point of view of um, communication on a repeatable or a verifiable basis, much like any form of technological um, apparatus. It's not quite like that because obviously um, we understand that mediumship itself is not a science, it's, it's more a parascience uh, in the sense of that the communication that we provide through mediumship, while the phenomena itself is repeatable, the actual result is not repeatable. It's a one-off, if you will. Hence, modern science, if you will,'s refusal to embraces wholeheartedly um, as a fact, even though our spiritualist ancestors and our uh, ancestors of mediumship um, described it and embraced it as a fact and as a truth. If we look at it from um, perhaps a more um, quieter place in the 21st century, we begin to see it in terms of more of an experience and a ideal to be embraced or to be experienced as opposed to a verifiable fact. Now, of course, there would be many of um, my colleagues and, um, if you will, fellow spiritualists and fellow mediums that would argue vehemently um, that I blaspheme when I uh, refuse to call uh, mediumship um, or life after death a fact. Mediumship itself is most definitely a fact in the sense that it's an experience that uh, has, is verifiable um, from an anecdotal and an experiential point of view, um, but from providing fact uh, of life after death, certainly uh, by modern today, uh, today standards, um, the jury is out. But regarding um, where mediumship is is at the moment and where we are going and how we're going to use these new mediums i think the most important point is is that we use them the early spiritualists were brilliant at um using all uh technology of the time 
both from a point of view of propaganda and also to describe it in terms of uh, means by which the general population could understand communication with another world. Because if we look at all, if we look at the history of spiritualism, we see the great technological revolution of our Victorian ancestors running alongside the huge and powerful social movements of the time, which were literally ripping society apart, particularly in North America. Um, and again, if we look at the, the history of spiritualism there, um, in Upper New York State, state or the, the Burned Over District, as it was called, and it was called the Burnt Over District because um, it was a hotbed of radical and revolutionary social and spiritual ideas. Not just spiritualism came out of there, but also Quakerism, um, Mormonism, um, these big social movements and religious movements that were very iconoclastic, that broke down social barriers and ripped across um, North American society and then eventually came across the Atlantic to Europe. And so our ancestors at that time used the, the technological achievements um, that they saw around them to describe in understandable terms to the general population this brave new world of after-death communication. So what is fascinating here is that mediumship and spiritualism has always actively embraced technology has not shied away from it, but has embraced it to look at the possible means of propagating the ideas of spiritualism while at the same time creating an understandable ideal uh, of how communication actually works. Now, again, because I, I like being controversial and, and uh, like people to think because um, thinking sadly has, has gone out of fashion, um, certainly over these past number of years and particularly in all forms of spirituality, um, thinking um, is often abandoned uh, in, um, for feeling. And feeling is wonderful, um, but in the work that we do, feeling in conjunction with thinking um, is the most powerful thing you can actually do. So what we're actually talking about here um, with regard to this is, what it actually is mediumship, what form is it taking, and what are the forms that we're going to see in the future? Well, first of all, let's let's just have a look exactly how it works. How does mediumship work? Now, if you buy a book or go on a weekend course, um, you will be told more than likely that you are tuned to the spirit and that our loved ones will draw close and then you give your impressions. Now, that is a description of an experience. That's not an explanation. And why that is, is because we don't know how exactly mediumship works in practical reality. We don't know what happens to the brain in mediumship. We can surmise that there are certain areas of the brain um, if we actually, um, and there's been various um, experiments done um, where various mediums have been in various, you know, um, CAT scans and, and things like that, that describe and show um, 
parts of the brain that awaken or are um, very active during mediumistic communication. But this doesn't explain how it works. And the reason being is because we don't really know. We just know that it works. The phenomena is most definitely true, but the actual manner in which another consciousness that we believe to be uh, continual and still functioning and still capable of independent thought, we do not know how that impinges on the human mind and is then capable of being translated in the brain into some form of information that can be understood as evidence of survival of light after death to a recipient. So we don't quite know how that works. And because of that, we have a thousand and one theories of actually how it works and why it works. And, and a thousand and one reasons why actually that's all of our ideas are probably wrong. Um, just taking a couple of minutes here, um, clairvoyance, clairaudience, clairsentience, and I know since I've been uh, working uh, over this past 30 years, there have been a thousand and one different add-ons to this, such as clear alliance, which is clear tasting, clear gustians, clear um, um, tasting, clear um, sm clear alliance, uh, smell, sorry, clear olfactrians. Um, when in actual fact, this is just adding on words for the sake of it. I like words, so it's, it's okay. Um, but it's all clear sentence, it's all feeling. And actually the whole form of mediumship is feeling based. We, it's our sensory apparatus, which enables us to experience the spirit world, um, which then gets translated into either a clairvoyant uh, impression, which is the, the visual experience, uh, a clairaudience, which is an auditory experience, or generally speaking, a feeling, uh, which is clairsentience. And of course, there is claircognizance where we just know a thing um, without necessarily moving into any form of visual or um, olfactory um, or auditory stimulus. So what we what we understand there is that this communication with the spirit um, is a is a sensory experience which then gets translated through the medium's mind into um, some form of communication that could be readily understood by a recipient in order that they then um can use for their own personal evidence now the interesting thing is is again just going back to our our ancestors in the 19th century they came up with a huge variety of devices um for communication with the spirit world for those individuals that weren't mediumistic in the sense that you see a medium on a public platform or go for a one-to-one -one sitting um the spirit world in conjunction um, with a number of mediums came up with a variety of different devices, which again is on to be applauded by our wonderful, erudite and inventive um, Victorian ancestors. I'm sure most of you out there have experienced a Ouija board and obviously comes from the two words, German and French, um, we and ya, yes, yes board. You know? um, and so I'm sure many of you, possibly as a teenager, may have either had a Ouija board or put letters around and um, a glass and then placed your, your fingers over it. Or it may even add a pointer, um, a planchette, which is slightly different. But um, And so you place your fingers on this and then it moved around and spelled out a number of different um, 
words. I would like to just comment on the idea of the Ouija board if I can, because as soon as you mention Ouija board, most people run for the hills, start running around screaming and um, trying to burn them as, as quickly as possible for fear of contacting the dark side. The only way that the Ouija board can ever harm you is, and the only way that you're going to die by using a Ouija board is probably through boredom, because it is insanely boring, um, so laborious as to be untrue. And um, but there it is. Uh, one of the great problems with the Ouija board, as I'm sure many of you all know, uh, is the problem um, that was found basically now in Victorian times again. The idea that is uh, it was idiomotor that actually it was controlled by unconscious pushes um, of the individual. Now, that doesn't mean to say that it's fraud, but rather that it is still being moved by the individuals themselves by tiny, often unconscious impulses that push the pointer or push the glass. Even though it may feel as if there's an outside force pushing it, it's still being generated by physical um laws meaning the body now many people don't know but this device the the ouija board was was developed in conjunction with the spirit world as a as a device that may actually create an easier form um and a more accurate form than um just coming through a, a medium's mind the biggest problem with the Ouija board, obviously, is that there's so much baggage attached to it. So many movies have been built. So much um, rubbish has been taught about it that it's a way of letting through evil spirits. Well, you know, before I carry on with this talk, I just want to put this out to you. Let's put it this way. If the only thing stopping some so-called dark force in another world um, from entering this world is a glass and a few pieces of paper, then we are in big trouble. And I'll just let you to think about that. Um, because if that's the only thing that's preventing us all being sucked into some infernal place in another world, um, is um, a glass and a few pieces of paper, um, then reality is much more flimsy than we think. And of course, this is patently not true. Um, any um, ridiculous or stupid words or phrases um, or upsetting words or phrases that come through a Ouija board are generated by the, the fear and the miasma um, created by the sitters. Um, and that's why I rarely um, use it, just because, quite frankly, I'd rather watch Game of Thrones. It's much more entertaining, apart from the last season. Um, but um, it's just, frankly, um, laborious. I'd rather just do it myself and communicate with the spirit world rather than... Um, the Ouija board. However, I digress, but I, I mentioned that because it was part of the, the Victorian technology of spirit communication. We also had the planchette, which is similar to a Ouija board, but um, heart-shaped pointer, often with a, perhaps a small wheel or roller on the corners and a pen or pencil uh, at the point. Place your hands on again, and this time it would write. And planchette I quite like. Some I've had some interesting results in the planchette um, with sitters. And, but again, it was a, a very early technology to communicate with that other world using um, mechanical devices. And the Victorians built loads of them. Um, there was a thing called a, a psychograph, um, um, psychometers, which had a variety of different ways, which some looked like dials, um, some had sliders, which moved the letters. Um, so using a mechanical force, 
being affected by, a, if you will, a spiritual force to create communication. Um, there was also one of the wonderful example in the museum at the Arthur Finley College, where beautiful piece of Victorian furniture, um, um, it almost looks like a round table. It has, actually has a pendulum underneath um, and the pendulum actually moved. So it actually created, changed a pointer for letters on, a, on the circular table above. So the actual weights were moved by the spirit presence to create, if you will, um, again, letters, but in a much more advanced and a much more um, creative way than, than a Ouija board, but similar idea. And so if you will, spiritual technology of, of our Victorian ancestors um, to, in forms of communication is absolutely nothing new. So where do we find ourselves now in the 21st century? So we find ourselves in a place where I am able to speak to you um, here in the UK, but you may actually be sitting at home at the moment um, in Canada, in the United States, in Australia, uh, in the next street. Um, you may be watching this um, at the moment. This is the 11th of July, 2020. You may actually be watching this um, in the 11th of uh, July, uh, 2025. And so, we now have at our disposal and at our fingertips um, a, a means by which we can reach the masses while at the same time um, be able to reach places around the world that our, our mediumistic ancestors could only dream about. So how do we feel about it? Well, per, from a personal point of view, I've done a number of different talks using a variety of different platforms, um, whether that be lectures such as this, um demonstrations um talks tutorials workshops and so on and so forth um i find them very interesting very exciting um because it pushes the boundary forward um it has its drawbacks for me because i'm a i'm a if you will have a little bit of an old-fashioned teacher in the sense that i do like an audience i like to be able to reach out and and touch the people that i'm speaking to um, and I, I enjoy seeing those people respond, whether that be uh, in a challenging way or whether that be in a, in a positive way. Either way, I enjoy the interaction. But there is no question about it that in the future, and I've had a number of different conversations with colleagues um, who run centres and who run churches, that we have to embrace this brand new technology um, in order to survive because one we can reach so many people um, where, where we never were able to before um, we are able to reach people who would never ever enter um, any form of spiritualist church or center and we're able to reach people um, that would never even heard of mediumship spiritualism and the like and so we have uh, an exciting future in front of us if we dare to grab it. And that's the, that's the caveat, if we choose to. Um, spiritualism at the moment really is in a precarious place in its history because we have a number of different centres around the world, certainly here in the UK uh, and around the world, that are in a very precarious way where we will have to use electronic means in order to survive. And I certainly, and I've been in discussion with um, the sanctuary 
uh, the Open Door Sanctuary um, back home in Victoria, Canada, where, you know, at some point we will be having both physical um, public services and virtual services running concurrently so that actually we have people physically present uh, in Victoria, <clears throat> excuse me, and have a virtual presence in the United States, um, Europe, Australia. And so if you will, the great positive thing here is that we, we have the opportunity to create a, um, a virtual uh, congregation, if you will, in a church, um, while at the same time being able to communicate um, and offer um, the spiritual ideas, spiritual truths, and if you will, mediumistic comfort to the bereaved, um, to people that we would never in our wildest dreams have been able to speak to. So where does that actually leave us from the point of view of mediumship? How easy is it to communicate? Well, I've heard a lot of people talk about that mediumship is changing and everything is moving and there's a new mediumship, there's a new this, there's a new that. I don't really believe that um, because ultimately mediumship is about creating an altered state whereby your mind slips, um, it dissociates, and there's nothing new about that. Um, we've been doing that for thousands of years. It's just called mediumship. Um, whether it's talking to our ancestors, whether it's talking to the gods, uh, whether it's to keep talking to the spirit of place, um, the ability to um, for the mind to slip and enter some form of altered state of consciousness is just, that's how it works. That's how we perceive um, alternate realities, if you will. So I don't believe necessarily there's anything new there, but what I do believe is necessary, is, is new, are the means by which those ideas are then um, capable of being put across. You know, this one um, is one of them, Zoom, uh, WebEx, all of these things, and I'm sure in the next 10 years, these things will be archaic and perhaps we may even have some form of virtual reality where we can appear um, almost in a physical sense in somebody's um, home um, to give either a communication, to give presence. And so really the mediumistic experience hasn't changed a great deal. It's just the vehicle through which it is, such as our ancestors, same mediums as they are today, um, but they described it in terms of the spiritual telegraph. If you will, we perhaps could describe mediumship as, um, you know, Zoom um, for the dead. Uh, that's all it is. And so as mediums, when we are working in this way, all we are doing is something that, again, is nothing new at all, which is literally mediumship at a distance. It is purely... Um, and as, as mediumistic teachers, what we do uh, is always give a student um, the possibility to give, and what's called a, a proxy sitting, obviously. For those of you who have been taught mediumship, you will have done exercises such as this, where you give a demonstration to an empty chair, which shows the intelligence of the spirit. It's not known by the medium who is sitting there until the recipient comes and sits down. The information is then given to the recipient, and it is then checked. Um, uh, from a point of view of accuracy um, of the information that the medium has given prior to them taking their seat. So the intelligence of the spirit is nothing new. And so 
if the spirit world is capable of using that intelligence to give information to um, someone who is not there yet, then they are certainly capable of impinging a medium's mind to communicate across vast distances uh, at electronic means. Because obviously from us as, as human beings, um, we can only perceive um, dimensions, four dimensions. Um, we can only experience up, down, sideways, and time. Um, but to the world of the spirit, we are talking about a timeless world. So a person who is listening to this in Australia um, and listening to somebody speaking physically in the UK, while physically we are in two different locales, um, to the world of the spirit, we are in the same place at the same time, um, at every time. So the idea of communicating or demonstrating, excuse me, at a distance, um, at a different time, is really nothing more um, than what we do anyway. If there is a difficulty by the medium, it is purely down to their own perception of challenge and of difficulty. Because obviously everybody's mediumship is dependent upon their belief in what is possible. So of course, if I believe that I cannot give uh, a communication to someone in Australia through the medium of um, virtual communication, then it won't happen. Not because the spirit world cannot do it, but rather because my own innate fear prevents that communication um, from taking place. So what we're looking at here is um, going forward is this wonderful opportunity to take communication really into its rightful place. And I find it interesting if you read the history of spiritualism that our pioneers would have embraced this wholeheartedly. They would have been all over this straight away um, because it would have made complete sense to them just another form of communication. They would have embraced it, they would have uh, run with it, and it would have been a radical, absolutely radical form of communication. And sadly, really, spiritualism over the 20th century really retreated into a very comfortable place, which really wouldn't have been understood by the pioneers um, of meeting in our centers where the same thing happens week in and week out, and nothing really changes. And that uh, uh, the social world that a medium finds himself in is not involved. Um, social change is not involved. And again, many of you know this without me giving you another history lesson, but of course, spiritualism was at the forefront of all of the great social changes of the 19th century. Um, the abolition of slavery, women's suffrage, um, workers' rights, um, ecology, um, mediumship and spiritualism were there front and center. And then in the middle of the 20th century, it retreated into a very, very safe place where um, it became very comfortable in its own existence and the same old, same old, same old um, carried on. Well, as I'm sure those of you who run churches will understand that the same old, same old um, doesn't keep a building running. And also the same old, same old um, will not keep um, people's interest in this most amazing form of communication, but also most, to my mind, a much more, more rather uh, wonderful belief system in which we are capable of changing the world. So perhaps, just perhaps, 
this may be a, a great opportunity for spiritualism and mediumship to grasp the nettle of communication um, from a virtual point of view, this technology, and run with it. And actually, we may start to gain more of a presence in people's lives, but also to make ourselves more uncomfortable. Because one of the things that I think we all have to do, whether it's myself, whether it's other teachers, uh, whether it's um, spiritualists in general, we need to make ourselves as uncomfortable as possible. And certainly uh, at the center that uh, I run, uh, the Open Door Spiritual Sanctuary in Victoria, along with Brian Robertson, um, is to make people, our congregation, as uncomfortable as possible. That's our job. Because if we make people uncomfortable, people tend to move. If we just constantly talk to them, much like Charlie Brown's teacher, where no one understands what's being said, it's just this moi, moi, moi noise, then nothing changes, nothing moves, and literally our centres and our churches will die. It's as simple as that. So all of you that are out there listening to this, whether you belong to an organisation, whether you belong to um, an aspect of spiritualism, or whether you're just listening to this and wondering what mediumship is all about, well, we have a, a fascinating history, but if we're not careful, that's all we're going to be, a fascinating social and religious history that people will look back on and go, that was really quite an interesting social movement and also quite an interesting scientific movement and parascientific movement, but sadly it, it died in the early 21st century. Why? Because it failed to grasp the possibility of new ways of expressing itself and new ways of communicating with the outer world um, that our ancestors um, would have grasped straight away. So for myself, spirit today and spirit tomorrow. Well, spirit yesterday, today and tomorrow is the same spirit. It's because the spirit is, is immutable. It, 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 the spirit is the spirit is the spirit. Humankind's ability to understand and transmute that spirit into forms that are read, readily useful and also to use a very um, overused phrase these days, fit for purpose in the 21st century, that is constantly malleable, that is constantly up for grabs. So are we going to be a movement that constantly looks back or are we going to be a movement that grasps this new technology and utilizes it, embraces it, and perhaps sees this as, as a tool that enables spiritualism once more to actually rise again and also begin to show itself in a form that's accessible to people of all ages and all generations. And maybe just maybe, instead of seeing the small number of people in our centers and churches, begin to see that actually the congregation we need to be looking at is the world and not just the people that show up and keep those buildings running, but rather the outer world that can produce and give on a financial level and contribute to our centers so that actually our future is sustainable. And so technology, virtual ability to communicate, I think it can only be a good thing if we have the courage to do it, to grasp it, 
and to see it as something that our ancestors wouldn't have even thought twice about. So it's now over to you, everyone, um, for your um, thoughts um, regarding um, a few ideas that I've put forward to you. Um, so if any of you would care to uh, either ask a question or have any questions for Lawrence, feel, feel free. Simon, uh, I took myself off screen so people could fully immerse in you, which was very good because it uh, saved them the vision of me running around the church going, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Absolutely wonderful. Brilliant, as always. Uh, uh, while the questions are starting to be formulated out there, uh, just a couple of things. I did love very much uh, when you were saying about mediumship and not having the fact. I, I have always been a big proponent of that. Uh, I've always said that if this, this hard physical object was that irrefutable proof that life continues after this life, we've just devalued this life to Absol a lot of people, you know? Absolutely. And, and I, I, I personally think we've got to stop saying it's a fact um, because we don't need to anymore. Yeah. And also it's, it's, it's irrelevant and and really um, it's a it's a fact to those who choose to believe um, but it's not a fact to those who choose to, it's a fact for those who choose to believe it's not a fact for those who choose not to believe and so I I, I think it's irrelevant I think it's absolutely irrelevant these yeah. days wonderful and also the the simile you drew there with the Victorian era with all the social upheaval going on uh, we've all got our own thoughts and uh, visions of the future, but we are going to go through a very uncomfortable time in all Absolutely. aspects of our life. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and we should be able to speak to that. We have to be able to speak to that and not just not just constantly give out, out meaningless platitudes such as, well, the spirit is with you and it's going to be better tomorrow. Um, that's not enough anymore. It's not good enough. Indeed, I, I believe we have got this call to arms now, for mm -hmm. now and the future. Exactly, but, I, I quite agree. Yeah, absolutely wonderful. The uh, questions are starting to formulate, absolutely wonderful. Here we go, Sue Roberts. Do you feel that like First World War and Second, that in this terrible time, spirit is working harder as before to give more comfort to those in need and have lost loved ones? Well, I think the spirit gives is constantly working to give comfort to everybody, no matter whether it's a global pandemic, whether it's a world war. And I, I think we have to be very careful here because, and again, not taking anything from any of those um, catastrophic um, experiences and what is happening at the moment. But, you know, we had the flu epidemic um, of 1918. Um, we've also had gen religious genocide, um, countless wars. Um, in the 20th century and over the last 160 years that actually haven't um, um, hit the headlines. Um, the number of, of um, you know, genocide in Rwanda, um, for instance, really slipped off um, the news in the West very, very quickly. Um, and so to me, the, the, the spirit is constantly giving comfort to to every single human being, no matter what circumstance that love has been lost in. Um, so that's how I would answer that rather than they're working extra hard 
I think the spirit is constantly working as hard as he possibly can to bring about a comfort to, to all. Wonderful. Fiona Parry Dodd. Hi, Simon. Loving your passion for change. How long have you felt so passionate about transformation of the old, outdated beliefs? For that, forever. Um, uh, I was, I was, um, I was young once. Um, well, I'm, I'm actually only 22. I've just had a lot of worry. Um, yeah. <laughs> but um, I just, um, I came into spiritualism. I was about 17, and I was the youngest in my my church in Wolverhampton in the in the West Midlands, and I. I loved it. I if I felt that was where I was, and I, I walked in the door and I never came back out again. Um, and then when I became a, a working medium and working at the Arthur Finney College and under Gordon Higginson, and uh, uh, then in my own right at the Arthur Finney College, I set up a movement called Spirit of Youth. Um, I was the youngest course organizer back then, and I faced such a huge amount of criticism of constantly looking, well, how can we in our in our worship settings in our churches find music that's more relatable um so i introduced along with with friends i introduced more modern pop music at the time in the early 90s um brian robson and myself introduced talking heads where we have a a, 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 com a conversation a dialogue between the two of us to get across the the philosophy of spiritualism um and Brian Robertson back in Canada had already been doing a very um, great job of doing cutting edge um, um, spiritualism. And so I've always felt very passionate that we have this great product, but our packaging is extremely outdated. Our language is outdated. And, and yet it's so sad because our pioneers spoke to the, the man in the street and also the politician in government and was able to, to move backwards and forwards. And if you look at our movement today, um, not everywhere, obviously, but in many places, it's become staid. It's it, its ideas um, fail to engage, um, and frankly, um, it's boring. Uh, and it's so sad because we have this wonderful message, um, but we have to start looking also at the beliefs that we have. That's why I, I, I took some time to talk about the, the Ouija board, um, because we've we've got to start now in the 21st century. And I, I said this uh, another day and I won't take up too much more time on this. But um, let's put it this way. You only have to switch on the TV to see the the the, the horror of what COVID-19 has done to to, to people's lives. Pol um, wars have done to people's lives and so on and so forth. And we are still worrying about a so-called dark side in the spirit world um come on let's let's really let's let's think about this because if i want to get really frightened i put on the tv and watch the news that frightens me to death but in 30 odd years of working with the spirit not once have i have i had a, a so-called dark side experience not once because we, we understand these things in psychological terms now and so we need to grow up, have grown up conversations about our belief system, because if we do so, we can then share that to other adults and we can actually take our, our movement forward. Excellent. Here's a very pertinent question, because I know this is going to be one that is going through a lot of churches and centres, not only here, but uh, across the US and Canada as well, from Denise. But as a church, how can we avoid the loss of members who aren't open to the sort of change that's inevitable? There are people who have been in the movement for many, many years. Do we make it so uncomfortable for them that they leave the movement? 
or is it too much of a, a schism? No, absolutely. No, we don't leave. We don't um, let, um, let our members go. Um, what we do is take them with us. We take them with us. Um, we lose nobody. We absolutely lose no one. I'll give you an example. Our, again, our centre back home, our people who I absolutely adore uh, and I miss terribly uh, at the moment, our people, our congregation, the Open Door Spiritual Sanctuary, we have thrown so much, so much at them over the years and we have gone, okay, this is what we're doing now in two years' time. Okay, that's what we did. We're doing something else now. And what we do is we have, have encouraged them so much to one thing for themselves, come up with ideas and actually go this is this is your home we're all this is our ship we're all going together we need everybody on board we need everybody on board however and i will but i will make this i will give this caveat we have to be very very careful in our centers to people that suggest well if you do this for me then i'll stay if you do this for me then i'll stay well, we must never be held to ransom by people who want it a certain way. We have to always, of course, and let's put this on again, I use this as an example. Um, our uh, sanctuary, if it needs redecorating, we go, okay, it needs redecorating, who's going to do it? Who's going to come up with the ideas? Who's going to get the paint? And it may be that myself and Brian may not like the particular colour, but it's been decided by the majority, that's the colour. And so that's it. And so as a family of, and a community within our churches, our centres, we should be able to come together, to be together, to worship together, to play together, to cry together, to get angry with one another and irritated at one another, because that's what a family does, um, and go, okay, you drove me nuts. Um, I don't like the way you're doing that, but hey, we're all in this together. But no, absolutely, we don't create schism. We don't need to. When I began Spirit of Youth, at one point I thought there was going to be a mob that was, as I always like to joke, was going to tie me to the tree, the tulip tree at the Arthur Finney College and have me publicly <laughs> public, publicly flogged with the psychic news, you know, um, because because I dared to challenge the orthodoxy. And now what I what I created in many respects, such as the new music and new ideas, has become orthodoxy, which was never meant that, you know, it's become ordinary. And so we can, by taking incremental steps. We don't have to do a big U-turn or a, a big, uh, you know, handbrake turn with our uh, churches, but we can also have services where we have uh, modern and new ones. Again, uh, without taking too much time um, here, um, our services back home, there are individual services through the year where we have the traditional spiritualist hymns. I'm a big traditionalist with our, our hymns. I love some of our, uh, how great thou art. Um, um, all the earth, the, the dawn is breaking. My favourite uh, hymn of all time, um, God of the Granite. The spiritualist hymns I love, and we keep them for specific services in the year that are historically based so that they're in context. So new people who come in go, what, what's this old hymn or whatever, can go, it's part of the history of what it is. And then we the, the rest of the year we have new music, new ideas. So we can actually have both. We don't. It doesn't. We don't have to throw the baby out with the bathwater. But if we do it properly, we can keep everybody on side and bring everybody with us. But we've all got it. We've all got to be behind this. We've all got to be behind this change. Definitely, I couldn't agree more. Um, we started actually last week live stream. 
other side, live streaming our service. So we've got that mix that people can sit at home and watch and people can actually come in and physically be part of it. Absolutely. And, and that's needed. Yeah. We can never lose them the physicality of a, of a place. It's so important. Indeed. And I have been amazed, actually, through all the work through this time of restrictions here at Paul, the number of the congregation and people new to this movement coming in of certain age groups have really latched onto the technology side. I've really Absolutely. sort of like gone, do you know what? It's the only game in show in town. I'm yeah. going to be on it. Exactly. Yeah. I think we can be quite quick to take up the mantle on other people's behalf and say, oh, they'll never get it, when actually they're probably sat there playing bingo all afternoon on Facebook. <laughs> exactly. You know, I mean, there's always going to be those people that are it's going to be generations that are not technologically savvy, um, and therefore we we, we, we support them, we, we embrace them. And those that are, and I'm not the most technological of savvy person by any means, um, but this is what we have to do, you know? Definitely, definitely, definitely. There was one question there from the lovely opera singer, Joan. There we go, from the other side of the pond. Begin a medium here from the US. So where can this lady begin to read and understand spiritualism? Well, <laughs> that's yeah. an easy one. Uh, not. <laughs> um, to be honest with you, um the best i think the best book for beginners um is a book and uh it's the the name has just gone right out of my head just bear with me one moment the author is will ford um and uh he was a a, a british um well welsh um medium and minister and he gives to me the best um entry point into spiritualism because the problem is when you most books on spiritualism it's automatic everything's mediumship what he gives he also talks about what mediumship is but he gives the philosophy behind mediumship as well um and to me he's, he also he wrote it in the the, the 1970s um um let me just bear with me one moment. do forgive me this is the only way i can find this it's just gone out of my head um but it's a it's the name the uh, there we go. The seeing eye, the feeling heart. How's that for technology? Um, the seeing eye, the feeling heart um, by Will Ford. To me, that's the best book on spiritualism. What I would also recommend you to have is keep your skepticism. Um, there are lots of books out there, certainly um, from the past, which are very good. The, the language is a bit outdated, um, but there will also be concepts of the time. Um, so, um, such as the University of Spiritualism, it's very good, but there's some chapters in there that are just, you know, really um, not yeah. workable anymore, um, and the language is not workable either. But again, you know, that they are of the time, and um, they are of their, um, the, the writer of the time. And of course, obviously, any books that are written today in 100 years' time will be extremely outdated, because spiritualism is a progressive belief system. So. Um, but The Seeing Eye, The Feeling Heart by Will Ford and um, and uh, Linda Muir. And um, we're lucky enough to be able to um, um, have that within our sanctuary. Um, but it's also uh, available um, in, in most places. And uh, if you get, get into the sanctuary, we can get you a copy. But also 
um, it is available online. Wonderful. And of course, don't forget this book either. Oh, uh, <laughs> I, I, don't, I, don't, I always think it's bad form to plug your own book if by yourself, but I know it doesn't stop other people, but thank you, Lauren. I should have been on commission. I was saying to everybody, yeah, get was, that, that book. Was, yeah, that, that, was, that, was very, that was very slick. Thank you. <laughs> One very interesting aspect as well that's uh, been very much in the forefront of my mind with the advancement into this technological side of presenting spiritualism. I will not say mediumship because I'm very much of your saying there. Um, as churches and centres, the emphasis has been askew. It's been people come in the door, right, you're going to be a medium, 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 healer, medium, you know. Absolutely. As you say quite rightly in your book, homemaker, politician, lawyer, mother, mm -hmm. care provider, you know, mediumship is one aspect of our wonderful spiritualism family. Absolutely. And it is going to be a great onus, I believe, I believe, going forward that when we're going out into the virtual world, all right, here at a service, we would have on average 35, 40. Our services now are garnering like 2,000. Yeah, absolutely. Which is wonderful. Yeah. But that puts a huge responsibility. Absolutely. To, yeah. And we, we must not forget that. It's not oh, I've got your mother here. It's the understanding. It's making you know this life here now and your part in that and of the world. Wonderful. Exactly. I mean, that's what uh, Brian Robertson and myself came up with the phrase everyday mediumship, where it is, it, every, it's mediumship for practicality for every day and it, there is not this elevated status um, to, uh, of you know tin pot gods that that many mediums claim to be today, you know. Yep, definitely, definitely, definitely. Uh, where were we? One last question. Sue Townsend, absolutely loved Sue to bits. Uh, great mind, as you're just about to find out. <laughs> it has been discovered that trees use an underground mic micro fungal network as a means of communication network between trees as everything is energy do you feel that there may be a similar spiritual network between worlds and this which may be used as a means for communication between the spirit and the spirit of the medium and this will become visible to science and therefore become a fact what an interesting idea and uh, analogy what I'm interested in is is the symbology behind that. I'm I'm, I'm not overly familiar with with that concept, though I have obviously uh, read about it, and that everything communicates. What I think is quite interesting there, because as soon as I I when I encountered that idea before, it reminded me of the the Norse tradition with the idea of um, Yggdrasil, um, the world tree, the world ash, that um, basically um, ran between the nine worlds of creation and that it had branches in the worlds of the gods, it had the underworld, um, the world of men. So it ran from, if you will, Asgard, um, the land of the gods, um, to Midgard, um, which is you know this world, Middle-earth, um, humans. And so the idea of the tree or, or branches or um, that almost fractal um, experience um, just shows the connectivity between ourselves and and yes, I I I think the 
what the Norse tradition talked about there of, of the world tree is very um, symbolic of the tree of life that we inhabit um, as human beings in that we reach out to the other worlds for communication and reach this world here. So if you will, our branches are in heaven and our feet are on the earth. Um, and so, yes, I mean, now whether there will ever be a, a scientific revelation in a physical sense, I don't know, but I think what is interesting, the symbology and the mythologies built around the idea of trees and of branches and of roots and, and of, of, of growth into other worlds really is emblematic of a mediumistic experience of trying to understand the divine reaching into creation. So yes, I think all of these um, symbols, whether they are real in a scientific sense or real in a sacred sense, I think both can go a long way to describe how communication exists between humankind and the gods or the divine, whichever word you want to what, describe it. But I think that's an, that's an excellent and, uh, question there. So really one. Simon, absolutely wonderful. I can't thank you enough. Um, I, I've been looking forward to this for so long and it's been absolutely wonderful. I want to make a date with you, sir. One day at the next stage of this life, we're going to be somewhere and I'll be able to buy you a beer. <laughs> Yep, you're on. You're on. Right? Yep, happy, to, happy, happy to, happy to be with you. Absolutely wonderful. Thank you so much, everybody that's joined us this evening. Don't forget, tomorrow we have our second live stream service from the church here. Tomorrow we have Janet Ridge will be taking our service. That will be live on our Facebook page from 3 p.m. If you are unable to watch it live, all our events are available on the church Facebook page on the videos tab and there is every recording that we have done through the restrictions available there i will be cataloging and moving over to a youtube channel in the future there as well just to keep a, a wonderful history simon james i am so indebted to you not only for tonight that book shifted my mediumship it was the kick up the uh, nethers that i really needed and everybody who has read it agreed you absolutely beautiful you and brian just blow me away really do well thank you very much and thank you for inviting me it's been a pleasure thank you sir good night everybody take care stay safe stay sane and love yourselves all right we will speak to you soon bye 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 bye, -bye. bye, -bye.